Welcome to Truth Always Matters. In these challenging times, addressing issues that face the body of Christ and equipping the saints with the truth of the inerrancy of Scripture and sound biblical doctrine. I'm your host, Georgie Zindry, along with my co-host and husband, Ed Zindry. Ed, will you open our program today in prayer? Dear Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being able to publicly profess our faith in you, the truth of your scriptures, the foundation you laid for your church through sound biblical doctrine. We ask you bless the local body of Christ. We ask you bless this radio pro- program and use it to speak to your saints and encourage them to boldly walk in fellowship with you and one another. We ask you to bless this radio station. Use KKXX in proclaiming the gospel and build your church. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. This week's program is part two, Are We Living in the End Times? Many are asking, are we in the last days, the end of time, the end of the ages? Are we seeing the fulfillment of Bible prophecy unfolding before us? Are we heading towards the last seven years, known as the tribulation period? Today, we have two very special guests, Pastor Dominic Ortega of the Evangelical Free Church in Hamilton City, and Pastor Paul Tilly from Faith Assembly in Reading. We're going to look at several biblical prophecies that indicate that we are in the last days. The first prophecy we're going to look at is in the Old Testament, the book of Daniel. In Daniel 12:4, it reads, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book. Even the time of the end, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. All right, I'm going to take the privilege, because I'm the oldest here, to let me start on talking about the advance of knowledge over the last 50 years, which has exceeded the advance of knowledge over the previous several hundred years. For the most part, the dimension we're working in, radio, has been relatively consistent since its development by Marconi 100 years ago. For, for your radio history buffs, I understand some credit also needs to go to Nikola Tesla for the advancement of radio. I can remember our first television around 1950. It was a large radio cabinet with a 10-inch screen. On Saturday nights, all the men in the neighborhood would gather around the small screen to watch the fights and cheer, or boo, depending who they favored. Paul, on Sunday, you spoke on the development of modern technology and its impact on this generation, Generation Z. Can you elaborate on that? Uh, Yeah, I'd be happy to, and thank you for inviting me to come and and be a part uh, this morning. I've looked forward to this. Uh, We've seen information just increase in ways that's unimaginable. Uh, back when I was a kid, I can still remember having a rotary dial phone, and I'm sure others can too, being on a party line. Uh, having your parents tell you you could be on the phone 10 minutes talking to your girlfriend, you had to get off, go out in the yard and play. Uh, information on the news was often a report of the news, and whatever they said in a 30-minute period, that's what you had. Well, things have advanced. Now you can listen to somebody say something, whether it's on the news or in a conversation, and immediately following those statements, there will be a panel of people come along to tell you what they thought they said, 
And information has just gone absolutely uh, insane. Just to give you a, a rough idea, uh, this is how many emails are sent out per day. Uh, emails, 333 billion emails per day are sent out. Uh, over 24 billion texts are sent out every day. People do 8.5 billion Google searches every day. Uh, you get Snapchats, Facebook, Tinder, Twitter. All this information is just inundated our society today. And then we have to try to disseminate all of this stuff and then figure out, well, what's true and what's not true. And us that are individuals of the faith, of course, we realize the Word of God is the only real sure thing there is out there. But for the Generation Z and those to follow that and even the generation, two generations ahead of them, uh, I have a lot of empathy for what they have to deal with as they try to wade through all the information out there and try to determine how do I walk and how do I live. Also, I'd add just with Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, uh, a little bit of context. It's Daniel's talking about the tribulation period, the time of trouble. And you'll notice the first half of that verse, uh, he's told to seal the book uh, till the time of the end. And that idea of sealed is to preserve it, meaning uh, Daniel's, the book of Daniel, and it's a book with, of course, a lot of great stories, but also a lot of Bible prophecy concerning the end. And the idea is that, hey, it's going to be more understandable as we get closer to the end than it, than it was in Daniel's day, right? So a lot of value in the book of Daniel, but we have a better understanding of the symbolism and the, the prophecies contained in it uh, as we get closer to the end and we see a lot of these advancements. This is just one great example as far as the spread of knowledge, how it has increased and gone around the world, and, and our ability to communicate uh, one with another. And uh, there's, of course, pros and cons to all of that and how it impacts our life. But, uh, but anyway, just that encouragement that um, all of these prophecies in Daniel are, are becoming more and more relevant. And it would be, as, or not more relevant, but easier to understand for us. So yeah. uh, I would encourage people to be studying that book. So, but we can't get beyond the fact that we are obviously in a, the knowledge has so increased in science, in education, in spirituality, that people cannot keep up with it. And I would add to that, I think part of the challenge, well, both for the church, well, just for the church, the way I've seen it impact, I think since in the last few years, is the idea that, uh, for example, people don't attend church as much. They'll say, well, I can... I can watch online right. and listen to sermons online, and that's great. But there's a there's a sense in which it's uh, it's not true fellowship. It's kind of like a I use the illustration. I can put a fireplace up on my TV screen because I don't I don't have one. It'll sit there, and I can look at flames and everything, and it looks real pretty. Problem is, I don't get any warmth from it. Right? It's not a real fireplace. It's just the image of one. And uh, sometimes I think technology disconnects us from the warmth and love of fellowship that we would have with worship because we're choosing this alternative, uh, you know, just uh, using technology to get the message, but 
so I, I do think it just it's a challenge. It, it, it uh, God does call us to fellowship with one another, and at some point that takes real live interaction and and uh, getting together and praying and worshiping and and studying God's word. So. With the modern technology going on, even like in Japan, they are having robots teach the churches there. It's amazing. Wow. Doing the mass for the Catholic Church. Yeah. So what do you think the impact of this modern technology is on society? I know that's a tough question. Well, I think you're referring to the uh, AI that's uh, coming along, which is artificial intelligence. And one of the key factors to just consider in that is it starts off saying that it's artificial. Yeah. And Jesus said that you would know the truth, and it's truth that would set you free. In all of the information that we are inundated with from every side, and uh, we're just slammed at every side with it, what I have found that is true and important is simply this. The Word of God is the Word of God, and the Word of God has got us this far, and the Word of God will get us through, and it's the one constant that I've found in my life that I can reach out to. David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against you. So with all the information that's coming from every different direction, and I know this this AI is going to open a whole new world of uh, possibilities and information. And we're almost have information on steroids or information turbocharged now. Regardless of how much there is out there, I always encourage people to get back to the root source or the basis of what life is really all about. And I still believe we find that in God's Word that leads us, guides us, sustains us, challenges us, convicts us, and gives us hope. You know, I find in, in our lifetime here uh, that we're living in such a unique time where we've seen history change in such ways, but I can remember uh, the first computers coming out. You have a city block full of these big devices uh, trying to uh, maintain information that now uh, you can find in a wristwatch, uh, which is uh, is incredible. But we've seen, i just like to talk a little bit about how exponential this has this age has been. It's. Uh, I can remember uh, we've we uh, the the pager that was a that was a a, a real great invention for us because it, people could keep track of us. We we before it was kind of nice. You 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 go home and uh, first of all you go home and you only if you were home did you get a phone message and then we got recorders to record our messages and then we finally got somebody so they can keep track of us. They got pagers uh, uh, to do that, and then the cell phone came about. I want you to realize this, that we've gone through all these stages, uh, in, in these remarkable stages, in only uh, a short, very short period of time in history, uh, 20, 30 years. And, um, and so society-wise, uh, right now, it is, society, technology is now in, um, basically in control, it, it seems like, of, of every aspect of our life. And to piggyback a little bit off of what Pastor Paul was saying, it really is, uh, you know, in this, I think it's the second commandment. It tells us not to make graven images, right? We have that warning in Scripture about idolatry. And uh, really, that command relates to our mind. 
don't pick fantasy over reality. Don't pick fantasy over truth. And uh, we were to pursue the revelation of God, not the fantasies of the world, right? But uh, we live in an entertainment age where um, you know, fantasy is, is what we pay for in movies and in music and all, all kinds of fields of entertainment. But, but, uh, but that's really the command is to pursue the truth and to uh, speak the truth in love with others. And that'll be challenging with, uh, with all this modern technology. Well, that's no kidding. So I'm going to bring into one more thought here. Some, not all Christians, have AI writing their sermons and helping the pastor in managing their churches. That's today's modern technology. Some, not all Christians, have go so far into technology, they believe the Internet is God. The vehicle of the Holy Spirit, they say. Alexander Bard founded a new religion called Synthesism, in which he claimed that the Internet is God. So what do you say about that? Sounds kind of weird. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it is weird. (laughs) But uh, I will say, uh, this might be slightly off of that topic, but uh, I have met uh, some churches that have tried doing a virtual reality type church. Oh, yeah, they're out there. And uh, where... And they'll do virtual baptisms and all that kind of stuff and preach the gospel as a evangelism and tool. And take communion. They'll take yeah, virtual communion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still don't know how I feel about all that. It seems kind of, it's so foreign and strange to me. But, but they're trying to use it as a way to, as a step toward getting them an actual, an actual church uh, as the hope and, uh, and have had some success with that. And then, of course, I also love the idea, you know, over the years, I've been able to have uh, discussions with, uh, believers in Christ and uh, South Korea and the Philippines and right. uh, you know all over the world just from right here in Northern California, you know and and uh, and so technology is a beautiful thing in that in that sense, but um, but yeah the worship of anything that isn't uh, you know Jesus uh, would of course uh, lead to some false gospels and false ideas about God. You know I uh, I agree totally with you. In that there are instances, and I've done seminars before, uh, not in a studio, but in a church setting where we taped the service and it was being simulcast over in other countries in India and the Philippines and ministers were gathered together. And we was able to encourage those guys through that medium, which is light years beyond what we had years ago. And the value of that, I think, is absolutely spectacular. But... I do believe, and I certainly found out firsthand through the COVID ordeal a few years ago, that was the first experience I ever had of not being able to be at a church service on Sunday morning, fellowshipping with people that I love, and to be able to sit at home in my pajamas with a cup of coffee and a donut and watch a televangelist, and this is nothing against them, but I miss the experience that I experience when I get together with God's wonderful people. There's something about being in the house of the Lord with the saints of God that, uh, and the anointing of God begins to flow in the midst of service and people's lives are touched and you draw from one another, you pray for one another, you encourage one another. Uh, that is a wonderful thing that we don't want to lose just because technology advances and goes on. And I think in wisdom we have to try to find out where can we use these technological things and when do we hang on to those things that are really solid for us and there's probably a, a place for both. 
we just have to have the wisdom and know how how to use those uh, appropriately to help the lives of other people. Yeah. Paul, I think you made a good point of what COVID uh, did for us. But technology in itself has been uh, taking us away from personal interaction to begin with, and then COVID really kind of put a kind of seal on that. And um, uh, do we, does some of this technology uh, attribute to the fact that uh, uh, some church pop, um, attendance is, is diminishing, yeah. I guess is the word I want to use well, I don't know. There, there's certainly some people that still, they've never come back to the local church since COVID. And some of them got used to watching it on home. And what some of them don't realize is when you simulcast a, a service, you're able to go back and look and see who was on, who wasn't on, and how long they was on. And I've had some people kind of say, oh, yeah, I was at such and such a church, and I was I was there the whole time. And you find out that they were there for about two or three songs, and they moved on to something else. And it's easy to just slide away from those things. It's a lot different being in a service than it is trying to watch something on, um, uh, whether it's a television or whether it's online. I, I just hope we never lose the importance of our gathering together and being able to interact with one another in the local church house. In another Bible prophecy, the Apostle Paul says in the last days, that's in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, that there will be a complete breakdown of Christian spirituality, goodness, and morality throughout the world. The scripture is, from 2 Timothy is, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away." For of this sort are they which creep into houses and leap captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. A couple of things stood out to me in Second Timothy. Uh, it says, for, for men or people will be lovers of themselves. People will be lovers of their own selves. Uh, this is the me generation. Even much of the worship has become me-centered rather than Christ-centered in my observation. In, uh, in verse 3, it says, without natural affection. And I, and I looked that up, and in, in the Greek, it, uh, uh, it, it means hard-hearted towards kindred or hard-hearted towards family. Um, we have in our society a great breakdown of family uh, right now, uh, fatherless homes. Uh, there's, uh, there's this epidemic of children shunning their parents. There, there are groups out there, of, uh, particularly of, of mothers, who, uh, who have uh, a distance from their children, have been dis uh, taken away from their children, have just left them and, 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 uh, and basically shunned them. 
And um, uh, this, it, it's always been natural that for us to, uh, you know, mom, you know, that's, uh, mom was always uh, part of our life. And now uh, children are finding a, a somehow a need not for their moms. Uh, there's this absence of love for one another. And yet we're commanded uh, uh, by Christ to love one another. I'm reminded too that the Apostle John said, "Little children love one another," and he would—that would be the center of his uh, uh, of his preaching. Uh, and uh, the uh, uh, and yet uh, we seem to be going away from that, and these scriptures seem to talk to that. Now, in verse seven, I find it interesting too that uh, it says, "Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth." We've talked about the increase of knowledge. This is about chasing every imaginary dream up scheme to find fulfillment except turning to God. In his television ad, Greg Laurie talks about those who live to find happiness but never find it. But those who live to find God do find happiness. Paul, when you read these scriptures, what do you see regarding the last days? Well, my first thought is where the Bible talks back where you first started in the last days, perilous times will come. Uh, if we're looking for them to come down the road, we may have a great revelation that I believe we're well into the last days. And a lot of these things throughout that passage of Scripture that you read there in Second Timothy 3, those look like the headlines of the newspapers today and the headline stories throughout the land. Uh, we are well into uh, this period of time from, from my perspective, and I've never seen such a time in which people would have a, a, even churches today, sadly, there are a number of them that want to have a form of godliness but deny the power of God. And what we need desperately is God to remove the skills from our eyes that we might be able to see our need uh, for him in the day in which uh, we live. And as information, and I'll go back to this just for a second, because as information hits us on every side and we're trying to decide what is truth, what is right, what is wrong, how do I live for God, how do I not live for God, uh, we've even gone as far in decline in our nation, I think it was about 10 years ago, uh, when one of our leaders, and I don't want to go into political stuff, but one of our leaders said that we are no longer a nation under God. We are a nation under many gods. And that's who we've become today in the sight of the world. I'm still a guy under one God. I belong to a mighty God. I belong to, to Jesus. And as things get more confusing for people to figure out and to grab onto what knowledge do we grab onto and what knowledge do we let go of, uh, I just believe in very, very simple things. That's why I go back to the Bible. It's a simple book. We probably have millions of laws if we could count them all the day because we couldn't abide by ten laws that God gave us back uh, in the days of, uh, of Moses. But you think about the most powerful message of the Bible, and Billy Graham was so great about sharing this scripture, and his son does now over and over and over again. If there's one song that everybody in the world knows, it's Amazing Grace. If there's one song that, or one verse in the Bible that people recognize, it's John 3.16, For God so loved the world, a scripture that has only 25 words in it, 
and all but four of those words are just one-syllable words. And there's times in society with all the information, we try to make things look so huge, we'll never be able to approach it or figure it out. But yet God's word is still simplistic for us, and the gospel message is still simplistic. It's powerful, and it's true, and people can stand upon it. And I I would say the passage talks a lot about a misguided love. In the last days, love will be completely have the wrong object and the wrong focus. Everything's misguided in it. And we certainly see that in our culture, what it promotes. Matter of fact, I was just reading a couple weeks ago that passage where uh, Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he, he gave us two, right? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbors yourself. And that, that's the second. And he gives us that priority. Hey, the first thing we need to do is love God. And then the second thing we do is we love one another. But what's happened is we, in our humanistic society, they've said, well, we don't, loving God, but there is even a God to love. I mean, right? That's the, the atheist perspective. But many people are completely ignoring what it means to love God. And they're just saying, well, we're all going to join hands as a society and love one another. And then it just becomes this misguided mess as to what it means to love one another because uh, it's all going to be defined on human terms. And uh, and what happens is the Christian comes along and says, no, I'm going to love God first. So the Bible says, if God says this is sin, then I'm not going to love that because it's sin, right? I'm not going to love doing that because it's sin. But the world says, oh, that's just hate. You're hating us because we're challenging them on the, the things that they love to do, which are actually sinful because they have the, the, the object of their love is, is all messed up. And so, and all of that is in the pursuit of their own pleasures, which they never find. And I did want to encourage us with this, this one thought uh, that uh, for believers in Christ, we don't have to choose between pleasure and God. Serving God is the ultimate pleasure for the Christian. And a a great verse for that is Psalm 1611. You should write it down. It says, uh, uh, you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Oh, I love that. That's the story for the born again Christian. Uh, We're not out, uh, we're out pursuing God and in his right hand are pleasures forevermore. So we don't have to choose between the love of pleasure and the love of God. Living for God's will will give you many pleasures. And, uh, but it only comes with loving God first and refusing uh, to love the pleasures themselves, right? Or to put that first. So it really just comes, up, well, in the general description, this idea of a misguided love. Well, didn't Jesus say the love of many in the last days will wax cold and because iniquity shall abound? Yeah. The love of lawlessness. Many. Lawlessness. Abound, yes. And I think yes. that's what we see happening today is because of that, the lawlessness is abounding. The love of many is waxing cold. Yes. And they, morally, people are, I want to make my own rules and my own morality, and it's all, you know, just centered around me. Self, self-satisfaction. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't satisfy them. It usually shipwrecks them or they're in a train wreck of some type. You know, it's time for us to go for a break. And so when we come back, we're going to be discussing Matthew 24 a little bit more. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to Truth Always Matters. This program is brought to you by We Care Ministries. If you'd like to support this broadcast or become a sponsor, contact us by writing to We Care Ministries at 3208 Highway 32, Chico, California, 95973, or contact KKXX Radio. If you'd like to join us on today's broadcast, you can call into KKXX at 530-894-7325. Jesus in Matthew 24 lays out the last days. In fact, in Matthew 24, 3, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him saying, tell us when these things shall be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Matthew 24, 4, and Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceive you. I believe deception is a major sign of the end. Dominic, I believe we're living in the time where Bible prophecy is all unfolding all around us. Amen. And, and uh, of course, the battle with deception is a big part of the uh, end time battle. And uh, not only did we read it uh, there in Timothy, but uh, here in the words of Jesus, in the end times, uh, there's going to be a lot of deception going on. Uh, I kind of uh, was reflecting as we were sitting there talking about it back on the book of Genesis and how really when God created the world, he gave certain distinctions. And now we see the world really does attack those distinctions God gave. So right off the bat in Genesis, God makes a distinction between God and man, right? And we would all agree with that. And there's a distinction made between male and female. And uh, there's a distinction made between man and animal, right? right? And there's a distinction made between right and wrong. And so we have all these distinctions. You have God starting the family unit, right? In marriage between a man and a woman, uh, another thing birthed by God. So in, in from creation, and what we see is a society fighting all of those distinctions. And, uh, and they do it uh, with a, a highly intelligent people and a lot of vocabulary, but what these people lack is the fear of the Lord. And amen to you, that. You remember so what it says in Proverbs, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And they have, they have no wisdom because they don't fear the Lord. Even though they're highly intelligent and could probably argue, argue circles around the, around me or someone else, it doesn't. It still lacks wisdom, and so you you see all these foolish ideas coming out in society uh, because because of that, because of their uh, rejection of God and His wisdom and reality. They reject reality. Yeah, God's creation. It's very evident that. In the days in which we live, deception is a big, big deal. Uh, it comes in way of disinformation, misinformation, fake news, which is a lot that's true, but then all of a sudden it goes into a false narrative, and we can become seduced by those things, the believer, in such a way that throughout Matthew 24, uh, you read one occasion, there's numerous occasions in that passage of Scripture where we are cautioned about the subject of deception, and it even goes to far as far as to say that even the very elect could be deceived. And I've actually seen this happen in the lives of some individuals that were mentors in my life. They ended up going astray 
because they were deceived and hoodwinked, and they ended up missing missing the mark. But I'll date myself. Way back in 1972, I was in high school, and I saw a bumper sticker, and I've never seen one since then, but it said, we're all familiar with tooth decay and need a dentist, but this one said, fight truth decay, read the Bible. And again, I keep referring us back to the Word of God, because if we don't have something solid to stand on with all the information that's coming from every different angle in our lives, Jesus said you would know the truth, and it's the truth that would set you free. And so I just, again, I get back to the, instead of trying to get a hold of narratives out there that are controlled or misinformed, propaganda wars from all over the place, false information, there's just so much stuff out there that it it can ruin me if I allow it to. Uh, I want to base everything I do in my life to the best of my abilities base it on the Word of God and stand on that, and then through prayer, ask God to help me discern what is right, what is wrong, what is truth, what is false, what's going to lead me to that straight and narrow way and help me keep from the way, the broad way that leads to destruction. And in order to fight that deception, uh, you have to know the truth. You think of uh, somebody that studies currency. You'll see these people hold up a $100 bill, and they'll scratch it to see if it has a little line. They'll look to see if the little threads are running through it. They don't study phony bills to figure out the real bill. They study the real currency to determine what is right and what is deception of somebody trying to pass off a bad $100 bill, $20 bill, whatever it might be. And that's the value of the Word of God. As we study the truth, when these untruths come, there will be something that God has woven in our spirit that will help us navigate through those things in life. And we'll be able to stand at the end and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And that's the goal that I'm pressing for. Amen. And I also was thinking a real simple way to encourage us is to remember to fix our eyes on Jesus. So that was Hebrews 12.1, right? Fix your eyes on Jesus the author and finisher of your faith. Uh, to fix means to focus with, and, have, and to focus on or to intently watch, right? To, to when we fix our eyes on something. And, and what happens is what we look at, we ultimately long for and will go after. So for example, when uh, the story of Adam and Eve, when they fell in Genesis 3 there, you'll notice it says that Eve was looking at that tree, right? And she was pondering it. Hey, it's good for food. It will make me wise. And, 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 and it was desire, you know, she had this, and as she was fixing her eyes on that tree and she's mulling over uh, what she thinks the benefits are, what's happening, the desire within her is increasing to disobey the Lord and to partake of it, right? So what we fix our eyes on will ultimately long for. So uh, the opposite of that is to fix our eyes on Jesus, right? And we'll long for him and we'll follow him and, uh, and, and he'll lead us uh, in the, uh, of course, righteous steps, but uh, the way of truth and we'll grow in truth. But that has to be a priority. Am I actually fixing my eyes on Jesus? Do I know Jesus better now than I did a few months ago? Am I getting to know his word? Uh, uh, you know, am I growing in his word is it a priority of my life 
to understand who he is and what he's taught. And so it's really a combination of devotion and doctrine, right? So uh, we need to have a heart that hungers after the Lord. But then also, there's a lot of Christians that have a heart for the Lord. But then you say, well, where's the discernment? Because it's kind of like they just accept a lot of things, kind of spur of the moment without testing it, right? So we've also got to have a clear mind and a sharp mind, but a devoted heart that, hey, we want to worship the Lord and uh, and celebrate him and love him, absolutely. And that's that's really the priority, right? Because when Jesus said, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord. Now, and when I was doing Bible college classes, we had this t-shirt, you know, had 2 Timothy 2.15, you know, study, show yourself approved unto God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I love that verse. It's one of my favorites, but it's not the greatest. The greatest is to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. So uh, not that we have to choose, but devotion will always trump doctrine in in that sense. But uh, as far as what God says is most important, part of that is, you know, my, my mind, what I believe can change in an instant, my attitude and my heart, that's a little more difficult, you know, and, and uh, a little more stubborn probably in, in letting go of things. So our devotion and doctrine, both uh, key components to, am I going to get past this decept- the deceptions and, uh, and continue to walk in truth and continue to follow the Lord? I believe Pastor Dominic has just absolutely nailed this, and I am absolutely in total agreement with him. And as he was sharing those comments, I thought of a song that maybe your listeners may remember. It was a simple but powerful song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the eyes of his glory and his grace. And that's exactly what Pastor there was was referring to, is keeping our eyes upon the Lord. Thank you. Now, the Apostle Paul gives a sign of the last days as a falling away from the faith. In 1 Timothy 4.1, it reads, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Verse 2, speaking lies in hypocrisy, giving their own conscience seared with a hot iron. In Jude, one three, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. In verse 17, But you, beloved, remember the words that were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 18 of Jude 1, How they told you that they would be mockers in the last time who would walk, who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. The Apostle Peter writes in 2 Peter 3.3, Knowing this first, that scuffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. 
There are many people today who make fun of the Christian belief on the second coming of Christ. We, we are seeing biblical prophecy unfold all around us. We see it in the global deception coming on the world of going, trying to go to a one-world government, a one-world people. We see the increase in knowledge. We see, actually, I see a great falling away from the one true faith, which is the faith in Jesus Christ, is occurring around us. We have way too many churches right now that are turning away from Christ and becoming inclusive. They are worshiping all kinds of gods, and they are fellowshipping with all kinds of different churches that don't know the Lord. We hear of wars and rumors of wars. We see nation against nation. We see increasing lawlessness and iniquity, violence and mayhem rule the streets. We never thought we would see in America what we're seeing today. We see sexual sin and perversion are rampant. The attempt to change the times and the laws. When you look at Daniel 7.25, that he will try changing the laws of God. I look at it as the natural law of God, that Satan is trying to destroy the natural law of God with the transgender movement. The last things include the fulfillment of Bible prophecy on Israel. And Israel is at the center of the attention of the world right now. We see the fulfillment of the last days with the digital currency that's coming on. And we see the changing of the natural laws of God. Jesus gave one of the signs of the last day in Matthew 24, 6, And you will hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not troubled, for all of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. In verse 7, For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. In the 1930s through the 1940s, the world lived through two global wars. It's believed 9 to 15 million soldiers died during these two wars. Today, we see an ongoing war in Ukraine. The Middle East and Israel have boiled over in military conflict that would erupt into World War III. The War of Ezekiel 38. These could be a precursor to the bottle of Battle of Armageddon. We even see a possible war from China and North Korea. Jesus gave another sign of the end in Matthew twenty four twenty two, And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. There's not ever been any other time in history have we had the ability to completely annihilate every living creature on planet Earth. Jesus gave another sign, and Pastor Paul talked about this a few minutes ago, on spiritual deception, Matthew 24, 24. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if it were possible, even the very elect. It's this perfect storm coming together. We see this all over the world right now. What I don't understand, and I'm having a real difficult time struggling with this, Why is there such deception when we have the Word of God, Christian TV and radio, and good Bible-believing churches preaching the Word of God? Paul, do you have a good idea about this? No, I don't have the answer to that at all. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It's it's signs of the time. Uh, What's transpiring today is exactly what 
Jesus said was going to do. He said deception was going to come. As you guys just read, it makes it real clear that not only are people going to be deceived, but in their deception, they're going to be thinking they're proclaiming truth, and they're going to be sharing that information with other people. And if people don't know the Word of God to grab onto, they're going to grab onto something and be led astray. And there's believers and there's non-believers. Uh, on down in Matthew 24, where we were a little while ago, it starts talking about the days of Noah. Well, there was a lot of, there was only a few believers that ended up getting in the boat. Nobody was a believer until the rain started coming down. Then everybody was a believer and wanted to get in the boat. But it was too late. And that's what makes my heart heavy as a pastor in the land today. How many people are going to be left outside uh, and miss the opportunity that is at hand now because they just refuse to believe? They're deceived. They're caught up in uh, into something else. And what we have to do as a, as a church body, as a minister, what I have to do is hold on to that which is good. And that's what Paul was encouraging us to do, is to those things uh, that are solid, hang on to those things. Hang on to the Word of God. Paul was telling Timothy in this, uh, in this same passage, or at least the same books, uh, that perilous times were going to come and things were going to happen, but you're going to have to hold on to those things which are good. In fact, the words he said was, the things that you've seen in me and heard in me, do those things. And we need to, again, get back and rely on the Word of God as the basis for what we stand on so that we're not deceived, we're not led astray. We have the best account of grabbing onto the truth and walking in the, the truth that we have. And as Pastor said a little bit ago, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Uh, that's what's critical to give us the hope because there's going to be things happen that I'm never going to understand them. Uh, all this information and where it comes from and what it really is, is it true or not, uh, is coming from everywhere. And the only way I'm going to stand is to learn to stand upon the infallible Word of God. I believe that if God gets us two things, He will get us through things and out the other side victoriously. Amen. Uh, just uh, uh, one comment about Ezekiel 38. Um, you know, so the war that goes on in there, you've probably got about seven nations that are going to attack Israel. It's one of the, the final battles and, or series of battles, maybe in the end, you know, right before Christ returns. A little difficult to tell what all seven of the, which countries those will be. Uh, if you read it, you'll, you'll probably scratch your head there, but, but it goes back to uh, a lot of the people groups they're talking about. You have to go back to Genesis chapter 10 and the table of the nations there to kind of figure out what geographical location they're talking about and get an idea for what uh, they might be speaking about. But, but, but right, there is that final uh, battle as, as uh, before Christ returns and where, where the enemies surround Israel and they're, they attack Israel and uh, that in that final battle of Armageddon. But but um, uh, I also just wanted to add uh, uh, one comment about I think it was First Timothy four the falling. It says some will depart, and that there's some good news in that. It's not all will depart. <laughs> it's just some will depart and abandon the faith. So 
We know others are going to stand, and we want to be part of that group that stands. Uh, love what Pastor shared about uh, the scoffers that will come. Tim, uh, Peter referenced that as well, that in these last days there'll be a lot of scoffing. Don't be surprised when people scoff at the gospel and scoff at the truth. Uh, well, it, number one, we're just naturally prone not to have a hard time understanding that we're sinners, helpless sinners, in need of a Savior. Now, a lot of people just think, I can figure this life out and pick my life up by my, 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 life by my own bootstraps and make it work. And, uh, and so they, they scoff at the idea that I need a Savior, that, I'm, that I have sinned against a, a holy God and I'm in need of salvation and eternal life and, and not only in eternity but help now as well. So they'll, they'll mock that sort of thing. They'll mock the gospel and, uh, and turn away from it. But many will respond to it. Uh, in these last days. So uh, we don't want to uh, uh, hold back or be ashamed, but we want to uh, to share it, understanding that uh, people will scoff. And uh, what's one of the hardest things to do about, even as believers, we struggle with dealing with sin in our own life and seeing sin and allowing God to change us. You know, it's real easy to see the sin in other people. It's much more difficult to see it in ourselves. I I joke around sometimes. I'll say, you know, I'll tell people, hey, why don't you make two lists? I want you to, one list, I want you to put all the sins of your spouse. And on the other list, I want you to list out all your sins. And I bet you with 100% accuracy, just about, your spouse's sin list of sins will always be longer than yours. That's just the way it is. It's human nature. Uh, we have a hard time uh, seeing uh, our need. And, uh, and so... Uh, we, we couple that with uh, if you surround yourself with people that will tell you what you want to hear, and uh, it's a challenging spot to be in. But, uh, but the Holy Spirit brings his conviction through the word and, and, of course, promises to transform us as we're following Christ. We can be encouraged by that. And then always, I always just remember the heart of the Lord, Second Peter 3, 9. He talks about how God desires for all people to come to repentance. And, and that's the truth. God desires that for every person and that they would come to know him. And, and that's his desire. Of course, he gives people a choice whether they want to respond to God or not and receive that gift of eternal life. But it is what God wants. It is what God desires. That's his plan for people. I'd like to reinforce something that, that Paul talked about in terms of the uh, uh, of studying the, the real uh, where you uh, get away from deception, and, and it also touches on what uh, Pastor Dominic said as well. The uh, uh, seeking God with all your heart, and your mind, you, and you do that through the Scriptures, and you do that through prayer, and you do that through earnestly seeking Him with everything that you have, and uh, uh, and that's uh, the the greatest, um, uh, probably the greatest uh, uh, protection from deception. We are admonished by the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy, charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itchy ears. They will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. 
but you will be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. So we have just a couple minutes left in the program today, but how should Christians approach the last days? I have some that tell me, well, I'm just going to live the nice life. It's going to be easy for me. So Paul, if, if we're in the last days, and I believe we are, how should believers approach it? Forget about the nice days. Uh, let it go. We have to realize God's put us here for a purpose. And somewhere down in the heart of every single individual that is a believer, uh, we have to face the reality that difficult challenges are going to come. Uh, it's not going to be a kumbaya moment all the time. And here's what I do, and I'll just pass this on. I am determined. I've made up my mind. I am going to serve the Lord. Regardless of what information does, regardless of what everybody else does, I'm not going to get my eyes on people. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus, just like Pastor Dominic talked about earlier. I think that was maybe the highlight of the day, what he said in that. I'm determined. I've made up my mind. I'm going to serve the Lord. The Apostle Paul said this in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. He was faced with all kinds of things. Don't have time to go into all the stuff. He was shipwrecked, on and on and on. Stuff happened to him. And when they challenged him on that, here's what he said. He said, but none of these things move me. Neither do I count my life dear to myself, so that I might finish the course, my course, with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel and the grace of God. That's what I think we need to pursue and make a determination in our lives that no matter what anybody else does, you settle it between you and Jesus. You're going to go the distance. You're going to cross the finish line and hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Before I let Dominic speak here is what my thoughts on this is. We've got to make the decision way beforehand what we're going to do in the end. We're going to have to say, no, no matter what comes, I'm going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, Dominic. Oh, and just that last encouragement that uh, uh, Paul gave to Timothy, preach the word. Don't just know it. Don't just uh, say, well, I love the word, but I'm kind of a private Christian. No, he gave him that exhortation. In, in light of the Lord's appearing, preach the word, proclaim it. We have to do that with the way that we live, but also the words that we say. And, uh, you know, we should be uh, making a difference in the lives of, of the people God puts around us, but also uh, hopefully in our communities and in our country. And uh, I love it when pastors get uh, passionate about going after things in the culture to encourage people in the good and, and in the righteous. You know, the, I think uh, probably a lot of us Christians saw last week, uh, I think it was Pastor Jack Hibbs prayed in front of Congress and got a lot of heat for it. It was just a very simple prayer. You know and, what? I hate to say it. We're done. <laughs> it was what a great time, guys. Thank yes. you. Thanks for having us. Thank you yeah, very much. Hey. Join us again next week on Truth Always Matters. Hey, God bless you, and may he hold you in the palms of his wonderful hands.